We'll stand and we will sing a song at this time and we'll be singing um, how many know the song sing hallelujah do you know that song okay you're gonna learn it <laughs> and um yvette can you come up please yvette um, and come up here and sing matthew you know that song not really okay well i'll lead out with the guys and um yvette will follow the girls but everyone please stand please at this time as we worship god and we're going to worship him at this time we will sing sing hallelujah and then um if you can turn the mics on for the um for my ukulele here and also for Yvette. Yeah. Okay, follow, guys, follow me. Girls, follow my wife. Anya, can you come up here, please? Sing the mic. Just sing with the girls. She knows the part. Sing Amen. Yvette's microphone a little bit more, please. And Anya's. Ready? So the girls can hear your part. Ready? Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the This focus upon Jesus. Amen. What do you say? Amen. Ready? Let's sing. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing Women.
again. Let's sing it from our hearts and loud to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the sing Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Sing hallelujah to the Lord. you turn me with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9 verse 14 Mark chapter 9 verse 14 as we get into the word this morning Mark chapter 9 verse 14 and the sermon entitled this morning is can you help me can you help me Mark chapter 9 verse 14 Jesus is our perfect example what do you say this morning amen and he's the one that can Help us in our walk with Him. We are to strive to reflect His perfect character. A little bit down, please, a little bit down. His character of justice and mercy and His character of genuine concern and care. His character of love and compassion to a dying world, right out there. His, his character of wanting us to be perfectly reproduce. His character of love to those who are suffering and hurting, who are going through suffering, and to hardships. And that's what God wants us to use. He wants to use us as, as hands and feet of himself here on this earth. So this morning, as we behold his character, may the Spirit of God transform us to be, reflect his beautiful character of love. Let us pray. Father, as your word is open, help us to see what you want us to see. May Jesus be uplifted and glorified in all that is said this morning. And this we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 9, verse 14 in your Bibles. Um, we're at this situation when Jesus was up here. They were up in a mountain, and he was in a Mount of Transfiguration. Now, Mount of Transfiguration was that, remember the glory of God came upon him? He was glowing with the glory of God. God's glory is his character. It's glowing with his character of love. And then while he was up on his mountain, he had a mountaintop experience. Now, how many of you have ever had a spiritual mountain-high experience? Let me see your hands. I have. I've been there. So now he's up in his mountain-high experience, and he's with, he took his three disciples with him. He left his nine behind down in the valley below. But like any good thing, all good things must come, what? To an end. And so there he was. He had this mountain-high experience, and he's up in the mountaintop. And then now he's called down to go down into the dark valley below. And so he takes his three disciples, and he walks down with Peter, James, and John. And he went to where he left his disciples. And this is where verse 14 begins in the Bible. Notice the Bible says here in verse 14. It says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a what? Great multitude around them, around his disciples. He's, he's probably, well, what's going on here? He left his disciples, there's only nine of them, but now there's a great multitude with his disciples. And the Bible says, then the scribes, what? Questioning with them. In other words, 
they were questioning, they were in a theological dispute and debates and about prophecy and standards and doctrines and text, proof texting and everything. And they want to, they're just arguing about theology here. Okay, so why are they arguing about theology and the doctrines and everything else here in the text and proof texting here? Something else um, happened. Uh, they were disputing. And everyone, notice there's a great multitude, so it's not just the, the, the scribes here that were arguing with his disciples, but it also the Bible says there's a great multitude. In other words, there was a great gathering of people all around watching the church members discuss about doctrines. Watching the church members discuss about the standards and the philosophies of church and what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. Talking about prophecy and all these things. And they're, and they're watching all these things. And then Jesus was saw coming in the distance. And look what happens in verse 15. Notice the Bible says here. And straightway, or in other words, right away or immediately, all the people, when they beheld him, or beheld who? Jesus. So here you have all the church members talking about being a Christian and all these things, and they're having a good conversation, intellectual stimulating doctrinal studies and everything. And they're studying over here in this, this questioning between the scribes. The scribes and the you know, lawyers, they knew about the law, and they, um, they knew about um, the Torah, and they knew all about what the doctrines taught. But they, were, they realized that here's someone coming down, and they beheld him, and the Bible says, were greatly, what is that word? Amazed. So here we have Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of the character of love, walking down from the mountaintop experience, and he's coming down to the dark valley below, and he's walking down, he sees, and they're amazed at him. What do they do to him? Or do they just stand amazed and watch Jesus up there? What does the Bible say there? What's the next word it says? What does it say? Let's stick to the word of God. What does it say? The Bible says that they ran to Jesus, running to him, and what did they do? They saluted and they greeted him. So here we have Jesus walking onto the dark valley. He had a mountaintop experience, and he's going down to the dark valley below him, and he sees them this, um, questioning among one another with his disciples, with the scribes, and the church members, and the, everyone's gathering around to watch, and here he comes, and the people who are watching what's going on, they see something better coming. What do you say? Amen. They're greatly amazed. They ran to him. They greeted and honored him. You see, the, the people were tired of the church members just arguing and disputing. They wanted something better. And when they saw something better, guess what, beloved? They ran for it. What do you say? Amen? And when people see in the world that there is something better in the church, that God's people and God's church members have something better to offer, they will run to you. What do you say? Amen? They would see the love of God flowing out from you to them. They would, see, they would experience that love to you. There will be a difference. They will come to church with you. They will want you to dine with them, to spend time with them. There will hunger for that. Beloved, in my experience as a minister, people are hungry out there. Do you not realize that? People are hungry. People are starving out there for the word of God and the love of God. What do you say? Amen? Amen. Do you not see that? We invited all the time to spend time with people. And this is what I realized in ministry. One thing I realized in ministry. 
people are hungering for meaningful relationships. True? Meaningful. I just came back from the mainland in Los Angeles. You know what I realized? I gave, uh, San Gabriel Academy, they gave me some, they had me to teach some Bible classes before I did a weekend revival meetings with some speakers. And you know what I realized? Young people can be, you know, surrounded by hundreds of people in this school. Almost a thousand people, hundreds of people are in this uh, revival meetings that they had called America's Idols. We had a revival meeting. Hundreds of people. But you know what? They can be still so lonely. They can be still so discouraged. They can feel like there's no one there for them. And you know what? The hunger and cry out there is still alive today. Do you not see it? It's so hungry. I mean, our invitation, I've always get, I get invitations to come visit people, to spend time with them. But you know what? 99% of the time, I have to say no. Because one person, it was going to kill me. And then I think to myself, what is our church doing? There's so much people out there that's hungry for love, for time to be spent. It's so, I feel like to save people and to bring them to the church is so easy. All, what we need to do as church members, we need to realize that the need is so great out there. Your eyes need to be opened to the need that God can use you to save people for God's glory. What do you say? Amen, beloved? Amen? And God can use you if you're willing to be used. And Jesus saw this and he came down and he realized that here they are disputing and there was a need going on. Why were they disputing? Because there was something going on here. I want to show it to you what's going on. And he, Jesus came down, Jesus in 16 says, and he asked the scribes, he asked the church members and the religious leaders and he said to them, what did he say to them? What? What did he ask them? What question you with them? In other words, what are you questioning about? What are you guys discussing about now? What are you arguing about, theologizing at this time right now, he asked them. Tell me, what is it this time? What are you arguing about now? What are you questioning about? And brothers and sisters, could we not find ourselves in this story? And I speak to myself this morning and to us and his church members. Do we waste our time by theologizing? Instead of working for the Lord, do we waste our time by complaining or maybe gossiping of things that should be done better? If things may be done better, then maybe we should make it better, what do you say? Amen? And God can use us to make things better. And God wants to revive his church and to shake us up in these last days. And I believe he wants to shake us up this morning also. It's verse 17 and 18. What was, what was that that Jesus, um, what were they questioning about? What's going on in the story? So he asked them, what are you questioning about? What's the issue here? What's the problem going on in this church? And then Jesus and one of the multitude, in verse 17, says, And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. In other words, he's been possessed. And wheresoever he takes him, he tears him, and he foams, and he gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I, I spake to your disciples, your people who follow me, who claim they follow me, who, who go to church. These are disciples who claim and take the name of Christ. Christian, taking the name of Christ. I, I spoke to your Christian, your disciples, that they should cast him out. And the Bible says, and they could what? Not. Not. They could discuss theology. They were questioning each other. They were talking about the doctrines. They were talking about Jesus. 
They had all the right words of happy Sabbath. They had everything that they needed to do. But one thing they could not do is that they, did, they had all the words in the mouth. They looked like they were disciples. They talked like the disciples of Jesus. They, they, they acted like they were church members. But one thing they didn't have, they did not have the power to cast out and work do the works of God that God wanted them to do. Could that also be true of us this morning, is my question. There was a, you know, we often say our church is a hospital, right? Which is true, right? What do you say, amen? Our church is a hospital. I, I remember visiting this man, and he, at one time, he said he was addicted to heroin. And he got, he got the victory over heroin. What a miracle. What do you say, amen? But here's the thing. He got onto pain medication, legalized pain medication, right, from your doctors. But he was addicted to pain medication. And you know what he said? He said, you know, pastor, pain medication is way more addicted than heroin was ever was. And then so he's, he's like frustrated. He was so discouraged. He was so depressed. You know why? Because he was addicted to pain medication. And you know what he told me? He said that he sought for help. He looked for help that somebody could help him to gain this victory over this addiction, this victory over this sin in his life. He's searching for help. So you know he went? He went to a psychiatrist. And he went to the psychiatrist, and he, and he went to me, he told me, he said, Pastor, I went to the psychiatrist and said, I have an addiction for pain medications. Can you help me? Sound familiar? That's the name of our sermon. Can you help me? I need help. I'm addicted to this pain medication. And, and he said, Pastor, you know what this, this psychiatrist told me? He said, don't worry about it. I'm addicted also to pain medication. You know what I thought about? Thought about the church. Somebody comes through that door. I need victory over sin. And I heard it. I need help. I need help. I'm addicted. I'm a glutton. I'm addicted to overeating. I eat too much. And we come to a church, and then the the people say, Oh, that's okay. That's okay, because I'm addicted also. Oh, 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 I'm. I need help. I just need, I just need help. I, mean, I get, always get upset at my wife. We fight. I, I yell at her. I swear at her. Oh, but that's okay. Everyone does it. We, we do the same thing. And I think about a hospital where, you know, what would happen if the Hilo Hospital was a hospital where you walk into the Hilo Hospital and everyone's like wheelchair, all the doctors are in wheelchairs and wheelchairs and wheeling themselves around. What do you think? What if all the nurses were all there and like they're all on walkers and they're like, no, I'll be, I'll be right there, you know, and they're kind of limping to get to you. What kind of, what do you think about the Hilo Hospital was like that, right? If we are a hospital and praise God we accept anyone and anyone and praise God you come here, but you know, a hospital, last I checked, a hospital should be a place where people actually experience healing. What do you say, Amen. In other words, God wants his people not to be going to this hospital for 20 years and the same, had the same, still the same addictions they had 20 years ago. 
God wants his people to come to church and experience a spiritual healing and a spiritual victory over addictions that they have and sicknesses and spiritual weaknesses that, God, that they have in the habits they have in their lives that God can transform them. Because, beloved, there is a God that is alive, I believe, that can give us the power to do that. What do you say? Amen? So this morning, God wants us to experience his power in my life, in your life, and he wants us to be a hospital that is healthy, that all of us here is healthy, that the gospel has transformed us, it has changed us, and has made us new, that you're a different person, and you're not a, the same old person you once used to be. I want that in my life. How do you say? What do you say? Amen? Amen. Notice that the disciples couldn't help this young, this man. He's begging the church members for help. He's begging the disciples of Jesus for help. Those who claim to be his disciples. Please, can you help me? And the funny thing is that, you know, they have been just been sent out by Christ, remember, to go out and heal the sick and the lame. And they've been able to do these mighty things in the past. But now this time they were not able to help this man. And this man was crying out for help. They couldn't cast out this demon, the Bible says. This demon of a bad temper, this demon of unforgiveness, this demon of gossip, this demon of not overcoming sin in our lives. And then the Bible says here in verse 19, Jesus, what did Jesus say to them? Notice what he says. He says, and he answered him and said, O faithless, what? generation. How long I should be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. In other words, what is he saying? Is this good words of commendation he's saying to his disciples and to the, the church at this time? Is that what he's saying? This is, a, you know, this is a rebuke, is it not? But the way Jesus does it is so loving, right? But here is a rebuke. In other words, Jesus lovingly rebukes. In love, but yet he still rebukes, right? So he rebukes him and says, how long will you faith? In other words, you're a generation without faith. You don't have faith in your life. And you, what are you, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? In other words, you, why is it that you always have to depend upon me to do these things? Why can you yourself as a disciple of Christ be able to do it yourself? True? Because Jesus was planning for the future. He was saying that, you know, within a couple of years, I'm going to be crucified. And I need to have you take over the church. In other words, the whole church, the whole apostolic church, was dependent upon these 11 men. What do you say? Amen? And so he's dependent upon his, the disciples, those who profess to be Christians and followers of God, to depend. He wanted them to do the work, but they were a faithless generation. And Jesus had to rebuke them and say, how long am I going to be with you? Why can't you do it yourself? Why don't you have faith to do the work that God has called you to do? How long would I suffer with you and be patient? Bring him to me. The Bible says in verse 20, knows what happens in verse 20. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, when he saw Jesus, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming. In other words, the demon showed a fresh display of his power in front of the Son of God, in front of all the disciples and the religious leaders and all of the church members in Honakah, showing how powerful he was. And in verse 21 and 22, what happened? 
And he asked his father, Jesus said to the father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? The father said, he said, Of a, of a child. And oft times it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Can you imagine as a father to see a child being thrown in, themselves into the fire, into the water to drown themselves? And then he says this, But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. In other words, this was not the first time he was pleading for help. This father was pleading for his, his son this whole time. He was pleading for help from the church he had gone to, from church member to church member and a church member. And all they could say was, go see the pastor. And they couldn't do nothing themselves. God was saying, Jesus was saying to them, O faithless generation, how long do you have to wait for me to do the work? Why can't God give you the same power? You have the same access to the Father, for we have only one mediator between God and Christ, and his name is Jesus Christ this morning. What do you say, amen? And God has given you the power. You do not need a priest or a mediator or a man or a pastor. All you need is the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. What do you say, amen? And God can give you that power this morning. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And this man cried for help. He said, Jesus, can you help us? Can you help us? This was the cry in that day. And this was the cry in, in throughout all ages. And this is the cry that is still heard today. Can you help me? Maybe this morning you know someone who is addicted to alcohol drugs. And he is destroying his family, his friends, and his life. He has tried to quit, but it's only God and worse. The cry is still heard. Can you not hear it? Can you help me? Maybe this morning you heard of someone whose life has been filled with sorrows, problems, and tragedies, and she is hurting and depressed. Night after night, her cry is still heard. Can you help me? Maybe you know someone who is struggling just to survive, physically and spiritually, with no one to help them. The despised still heard in the cry. Can you help me? Maybe you know someone who because of her sins is making a disaster for life and headed for destruction with a hidden cry in their heart. They're still crying out, can you help me this morning? Maybe you heard of someone who's been crushed by the enemy and feeling discouraged this morning and in relationship with Christ. But with a little ray of hope, they're still crying out, can you help me? Brothers and sisters, the cry is still heard today. Or may we have the discernment and compassion of Jesus Christ this morning that we may realize it and then have the courage to actually do something for the needs and the cries that are out there. What do you say, amen? amen. Come on, beloved, what do you say, amen? amen? God wants us to have a revival this morning. God wants us to have a reformation in our lives. God wants to wake us up from our slumber. And he wants us to depend upon him all the power that Jesus had access to is given unto you, beloved. And we do greater works than these with, mo with multiple people doing the same works of Christ in our last days. It will be able through the power of the Holy Spirit and depending upon the Father, the same thing will be done in your life and my life. When Christ's character will be perfectly reproduced in our lives, God's going to move in a mighty way in His church. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And He wants to do that in your life and my life this morning. Brothers and sisters, I want to point you to Jesus this morning. He understands. He understands where you're coming from. He knows what you're going through this morning. Christ was wounded for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and with his wounds we are healed. In other words, the innocent Christ suffered for the wicked, you and me. And the wicked received the blessing of the righteous, which is from Christ. What a wonderful, blessed exchange. What do you say? Amen? Amen. Look at verse 23 and 24. Notice the Bible says here, 23 and 24. What happened next? Jesus said unto him, to the Father, If you can believe, most things are possible to him that believe it. Is that what it says? Not even most. All things are possible. In other words, if you believe, God can do anything to you. He can use you. He can use you to help people who are suffering and hurting and hungry and, and in pain out there, who are in addictions, who need victory over sin in their lives. But beloved, we cannot give that which we do not have first received in our own lives. How can we give victory over sin to other people in their lives, beloved? My question is, if we ourselves have not experienced victory over sin in your life this morning, how can you help people to have relationships that work if you yourself and myself have not gained a true victory over a bad temper in my life, in your life? How can we help people to gain the, the victory over alcoholism or drug abuse or whatever if you and I ourselves have not given up and experienced the victory over sin in those areas of appetite in our lives? God wants us to experience victory in a powerful way. I want you to notice that the man said, I believe, help my unbelief. And with sincerity, this man believed the word. And notice what's happening. Notice what happened. So in other words, he's just talking to this man. And in verse 25, as they're talking, and the, and the disciples were disputing with the scribes, and he was talking with, the, with this man, and, and he's seen a demon, demon in, the, in the sun. Notice what happens here. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, in other words, the people saw that something was going on here. They came running to it. In other words, the gospel is attractive. What do you say? Amen? If the gospel is attractive in your life, in my life, people are going to run to you. They're going to want what you got. They want something different in your life. They want to see that in your life, and they're going to come to you. And they're going to see the difference. They're going to want to experience that change in their life. So people came running together. Beloved, sometimes we get so dependent upon positions in a church and programs in a church that we think that the programs are the Holy Spirit itself. But what God wants this morning is that he wants a people who can depend upon him and him alone and the power of the Holy Spirit that is attractive. And the power of God's love in our lives. When God's love is revealed in your heart, and my heart this morning, that love will pervade in our lives and that will be seen in people and have a grabbing effect and it will pull people to want to know and to have what you got and what I got. That's what God wants in our lives. You know what happens in verse 25 to 27, the Bible says here, it says here, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto them, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him, enter no more into him, and the spirit cried and rent him so and came out of him. And he was as one dead inasmuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up 
and he arose. So Jesus had the power of God within him, and it flowed out through him to the people, and he did a miracle, and he, and he worked it out what God wanted to do for this young man. Jesus was in tune with his father. Jesus loved his father with everlasting love. Folks, it's time we woke up and started helping our fellow brothers and sisters. What do you say? Amen? Amen. For Christ himself didn't come here to be served, but he came here to serve. Appreciate the testimonies and how God works. Appreciate how God has used, been using you to minister to other people. Now God sees services out of love. It's beautiful in his sight. The incense is so beautiful before him to see that. Covered with the incense of Christ's righteousness. And so God wants that. I still remember that. Four years after I had a call to ministry, I remember I got a call and I instantly remember back to four years before that why I went into youth ministry was because of that young man in, in church who felt that it was better that he jumped off a cliff and killed himself than actually receive any help from any church members. So I went into youth ministry. And then four years later, I still remember, and I shared this story before, I still remember going to four years of ministry in a church, and then one of the people coming to the church, young people again, uh, was found by his dad inside of his closet, hanging, and he killed himself. You know, it's one thing for people, young people to kill themselves who don't go to church. But don't you think it's something else that young people to kill themselves when they're going to church? What do you think? I mean, many of our young people may not be physically dead, but they definitely are spiritually dead. And I thought about this. There was a cry in these young people's hearts. Can you help me? Can you not hear it? Is it not a cry out maybe in people in this church who are hurting? Are, are we so selfish and self-centered that we're only thinking about ourselves and we're only looking within that we can't even hear the cries that's going on maybe from the same person on the very pew that you're sitting on? Could that be possible, you think? I think God is sad. And can you imagine a God? He sits up there, he looks down, and it was a good day. You're hearing the testimonies this morning, praise God. And it was a good day for God as he's looking down from heaven. Can you imagine how God's day must have went, must have went just yesterday or today? Can you imagine what he must be thinking, going, wow, I praise God for the testimonies shared in the Honokai Church. I praise God for how they helped this guy, Alex, and he, he needed help, and he took him to the, you know, they picked him up, and they fed him well, and they took him overnight, and they had a good time. You know, that makes, don't you think that must have made God's day went really well? They go, I praise God for um, what he heard, and my brother here needed help, and so-and-so came, and they helped him, and he was in need, and he helped him out for the rent. I, don't you think that God's day must have made a little better? 
When he heard the other testimony of another brother, God helped him out and another sister helped out this brother. I mean, when God sees this thing, he must look down and he, and he must be so pleased to see how much, you know, God's people are taking care of one another. But then can you imagine what God must be feeling? Because that's not all how his day went. True? And he sees how this young girl was beaten up by her dad coming home drunk one night. Can you imagine how God's day must have went also? Can you imagine about that five other, five other people or ten other people who, who needed help for their, their rent, but they never got it? Sleeping under the bridge. Can you imagine that little girl who was starving and didn't have a breakfast for the last three days, who was still looking for help, and she never got it? Dying of starvation. Can you imagine how God's day must feel and how he must experience in his life and he see, looks down on this earth and the pain and the suffering and the sorrow and the hardships and the sin that he sees. Can you imagine all that accumulated and all that God's people can do is look to their own things and their own life and looking within because the soul selfishness, what's, this is what selfishness does. Selfishness only makes you look at within your own self. And that's why this, the danger about selfishness is this. You cannot hear the cry, can you help me? Because you're so busy hearing your own voice and your own needs that you cannot hear the needs out there. Beloved, I'm telling you, the needs is so great out there. It's overwhelming at times. Not even fulfilling the needs. I can't even fulfill the needs. But just hearing the needs is overwhelming to me. And it says one thing to me. It says two things. Number one, the need is so great. Right in Los Angeles, where this came from, it's huge. But the need is still great over here. And it shows, number one, the need is so great. Number two is, the members are not doing what they need to be doing. Because the needs are not being met. And I feel as one man, I feel within myself, that the need is so great, that it's depending, wow, am I the only one seeing this? Am I the only one that's noticing this? Am I the only one that's hearing the cry? Can you help me? I think of Christ, though he was starving, he used to give his last plate of food to those who needed it. Can you imagine? He's suffering. He deserves it to eat. But he still gave his plate of food. What a wonderful Savior we have. Amen? The only thing that's going to kill the pride of selfishness within our lives is giving. For it is more blessed to give than it is to what? Receive. God is calling us into service for we're all soldiers in God's army. Everyone is called in, folks, there are people out there who are hurting and they're longing to see the love of Christ in the flesh. So this morning, God is making a call to us. He's make, calling every one of us. He wants soldiers for him this morning. And I want to read to you a quotation that I felt is, is appropriate for these times we're living in. Taking from Testimonies, Volume 5. Now is the time for God's people to show themselves true to principle. When the religion of Christ is most held in contempt, when his law is most despised, then should our zeal be the warmest and our courage and firmness the most unflinching. To stand in defense of truth and righteousness when the majority forsake us. To fight the battles of the Lord when champions are few. This will be our test. At this time, we must gather warmth from the coldness of others. Courage from their cowardice and loyalty from their treason. I want to be loyal this morning. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Amen. 
God wants us to be loyal. God wants us to be faithful to Him. God wants a people like it's shared in Sabbath school, that actually will be willing to do what God asks us to do. Now, not just talk, because talk is cheap today. True? Amen? It's easy to talk Christian. It's easy to say happy Sabbath. It's easy to say God bless you. And it's easy to say, hey, I pray for you, and not really pray for you, right? God wants us to have a people who's going to be real in the last days. You know, you know there's many, many sheep in my fold, many folds. But in the last days, God's going to bring all into one fold. And there's going to be one side of sheep and the other side the goats. And you know, within God's remnant church, it's going to be clear one day in the future, you're going to know who God's people really are. I pray that every single one of us here is going to be there. I want to be there. How about you? What do you say? Amen? I want to be faithful to what God is teaching me. I want to share with this last couple of quote, um, texts in the Bible says here. The Bible says here, 26, And the Spirit cried, When him so it came out of him, and he was one as dead, inasmuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand, and lifted him up, and he arose. And listen to this, And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And the Bible says in verse 21, because of two things. And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but what? Two things. Prayer and what? Fasting. I want you to notice the two things. In other words, we must have prayer. We must have a living connection with God where God's Spirit is portraying to us, just filling us up with His Holy Spirit and love. And God wants us to have good morning devotions and throughout the day in prayer and in the evening that we'll be filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one. You know, I find you know what you need to do, but people are not finding the power to do it. And you know where the power is found? It's found in the cross of Calvary. What do you say? Amen? In the love of God. The love of God will attract you, but you know what? Many of us, I believe in Seventh-day Adventists, we take for granted the blessings and the gifts of God. We have so much blessing. God has blessed us. He blesses the wicked and the evil. He sends the rain and the, the sun on the wicked. And you know what? God bless you so much. But you know what? Our problem in Seventh-day Adventists is this, that we take for granted all these blessings that God has given to us. And we don't do nothing with it. We don't appreciate God. In other words, the ten lepers that Jesus healed, how many of those ten lepers did he heal? Ten. And how much came back to say thank you? In other words, God blesses all ten of us here in this church. But you know what? Only very few of us, one, very few of us, is willing to come back and to serve him with all of our hearts and show appreciation for what he has done for us. That is where true love is found. And appreciation. And then the second thing it says here, it can only come up by prayer. And number one, the second thing is by fasting. In other words, there must be a refocus on our health message. What do you say? Amen? God wants us to have a fasting. In other words, our appetites must be subdued by the Holy Spirit in our lives. In other words, our lower passions of appetite and passion must be controlled by the higher powers of the Holy Spirit within our mind. And so in other words, we cannot be truly spiritual unless that is subdued. And that's one thing God has been reconvicting me on, is our health message. We need to go back to even more purity and simplicity of the health message that God has given to us. And until then, God's people will not experience true revival and reformation. I want that in my life. How about you? Amen? Amen. 
I want to revive and reformation in my life. And beloved, it's about time that the Honokah Seventh Adventist Church experienced that also. And I want to experience that. If, if you want to experience this this morning, would you raise your hand with me this morning? Amen. This morning we're going to close with our closing song. And.